A warning to our listeners. This episode contains discussions of sexual abuse against minors. Discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. In 858 CE, an Easter procession left St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. It traveled nearly four miles to the Lateran, a group of buildings owned by the Catholic Church. Included in this march was a man named John Anglicus. He'd been pope for more than two years. Onlookers gathered along the streets to catch a glimpse of the pontiff. But during this procession, something unexpected happened. As Pope John came down the street on horseback, he started bellowing in pain. He then doubled over and tumbled from his horse down to the street below. The procession came to a halt as people rushed to the pontiff's side. But this wasn't due to a sudden ailment or something he'd eaten. The Pope was in labor. The citizens and clergymen of Rome realized this could only mean one thing. Pope John was actually a woman. After disguising herself as a man to climb the ranks of the church, she'd become the world's first and only female pope. But the story of Pope John, or rather Pope Joan, is not an easy one to find. Some believe history has taken great care to erase her because she might have been the biggest threat to ever face the Catholic Church. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This is our one-part episode about the Vatican's most highly debated pontiff, Pope Joan, or John as she was known. Supposedly, she was the only woman to head the Catholic Church. Today, we'll explore how a woman rose to the position of Pope during the Middle Ages. We'll see how she kept her true identity a secret and what happened long after she was exposed. Then we'll investigate two different conspiracy theories about Pope Joan. Some believe the Vatican covered up her existence to protect their integrity, although others say Pope Joan was just a fictional story passed down through the centuries. And why anyone might need such a story requires re-examining a deep feud that erupted in Europe. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Bottling everything up can be really bad for you in the long run and have some terrible consequences. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. The more you let things build up, the more of a toll it can take on your mental health. I know for me, in dealing with some traumatic events in my life, I had the tendency to think, well, they've already happened, I'm okay, other people have it worse, it doesn't matter much. And through therapy, was really able to understand how those events impacted me and changed how I'd started to see the world in ways that weren't great. 
and we're sometimes making my life worse. So therapy or dealing with any traumatic events you've had might really help you in terms of how you can live in the present moment now. So if you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also really easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash conspiracy. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. During the early Middle Ages, from roughly the 6th century CE to 1000 CE, significant cultural and religious changes swept Europe. The old Greco-Roman religions, which worshipped many deities, were replaced by Christianity, which worshipped one seemingly all-powerful god. As time progressed and Catholicism spread further into Europe, the church's influence grew exponentially. It became the predominant sponsor of art in Western culture, using it to gain more traction. Catholicism also took hold of education by funding numerous universities that also supported their views. The era's kings and queens sought the favor of the church, too. If the Vatican approved of a ruler, that usually meant their followers would, too. The Pope eventually had the power to sway the decisions of various monarchs. He could effectively order them to carry out his agenda or have them excommunicated from the church if they failed to comply. Even the non-religious were forced to participate. Throughout Europe, people were required to contribute 10% of their annual income to the church. And since the Vatican did not have to pay taxes, its massive power was equally matched by its immense wealth. In short, the Pope was considered by many to be the most powerful person in Europe. The earliest Christians believed that Jesus Christ had designated St. Peter as the first Pope back in 30 CE. Since then, 265 men have ascended to the papacy. When Jesus chose his apostles, all 12 were male. In keeping with that tradition, the Church has maintained that a woman has allegedly never taken the papal seat. This is in line with the idea that only men can be ordained as priests. During Mass, priests are meant to resemble the image of Jesus, which, according to them, would be hard for a woman to do. Things haven't changed much today. In 1994, Pope John Paul II released an official document titled Ordinatio Sacerdotalis. In it, the pontiff stated, quote, The Church has no authority whatsoever to confer priestly ordination on women, and that this judgment is to be definitively held by all the Church's faithful. 
Still, there's one person who allegedly defied this tradition without anyone knowing until it was too late. Pope Joan. Piecing together the early details of Joan's early life isn't for the faint of heart. There are many conflicting accounts. And truthfully, they're all pretty scant on the details. According to the most popular story of her life, she was born during the early 9th century in Mainz, Germany. As a young woman, Joan traveled with her unnamed lover to Athens, Greece. There, they came up with the idea to disguise her as a man. With the proper cover, she could receive a proper education. At that time, most women weren't allowed to participate in formal schooling. Learning how to read and write was a privilege of the wealthy. Supposedly, this was meant to help women become better wives and mothers. If a woman insisted on receiving an education, her best avenue was to become a nun. But for Joan, who wasn't eager to commit to chastity, the nunnery was not an option. Joan, or John, as she became known, proved masterful in numerous fields of knowledge, especially the liberal arts. But there was one focus she truly excelled in, religion. To further her education in Catholicism, Joan's lover brought her to the epicenter of the faith, the city of Rome. Renaissance scholar Bartolomeo Platina wrote that in Rome, Joan quickly found her stride. He said, quote, Joan met with few that could equal, much less go beyond her knowledge of the scriptures. And by her learned and ingenious readings and disputations, she acquired great respect and authority. And with that, word of the brilliant John Anglicus spread throughout the city. Eventually, the Vatican brought on the young scholar as a secretary for the church's court. Soon after, John became a cardinal. In the hierarchy of the Roman Catholic Church, cardinals are one step below the Pope. Their primary responsibilities are to offer advice to the pontiff and, when the time comes, help elect a new one. So when Pope Leo IV died in 855 CE, the cardinals, which now included John Anglicus, gathered to choose the next pontiff. The perfect candidate was someone who'd not only earned their respect, but whose understanding of the Bible was unparalleled. Two-thirds of the cardinals had to agree that this person was worthy of being God's representative on earth. They chose John Anglicus. So, according to legend, John, or Joan rather, ascended to the papacy in 855 CE. But keeping her identity a secret required an extraordinary amount of strategy and self-control. Joan spent every minute of her papacy disguised as a man, except, of course, during discreet liaisons with her paramour, who apparently stayed in Rome. But over a year into her reign, hiding her true gender proved to be a complex issue because the female pope became pregnant. Now, the logistics of this were clearly tricky. For one, Joan needed to hide her growing stomach. And while the loose papal robes would have helped conceal her pregnancy, there was still the imminent event on the horizon, the baby's birth. In 858 CE, Joan and her clergy traveled along the streets while the citizens of Rome gathered to catch a glimpse of their pontiff. At first, nothing seemed out of the ordinary during this Easter processional. 
until the Pope, astride her horse, doubled over with contractions. The Pope collapsed to the ground, writhing as other pedestrians and clergymen rushed to her side. What played out in broad daylight was inconceivable to the people of Rome. The Pope went into labor and then delivered a child right there on the street. After a few minutes, the crowd's bewilderment turned to rage. Violence against Pope Joan erupted. Some accounts recall that an angry mob grabbed Joan and tied her to a horse. Allegedly, they had her dragged through the streets of Rome. She gasped for breath, clinging to life as incensed pedestrians hurled stones at her. This didn't stop until the disgraced pontiff was dead. Joan was buried on the side of the road with a marker that supposedly read, quote, Petre Pater Patrum, Papis Prodito Partum, which translates to, O Peter, Father of Fathers, betray the childbearing of the woman Pope. To absolve themselves of their sins, the people of Rome fasted for four days. Then the church and its citizens quietly moved on with their lives. Pope Benedict III came to power and records of Joan's short reign were left unpreserved. Her story retreated to the margins of history. And that's where it remained for nearly 400 years. But in the early 13th century, the memory of Pope Joan was resurrected. Dominican friar Jean de Mailly retold the story of the world's first and only female pope. Allegedly, de Mailly heard this story from a few monks who'd been passing it down by word of mouth. De Mailly was the first to write down this missing chapter from history, though he placed Joan in the 11th century. A few years later, a French Dominican friar named Stephen of Bourbon repeated the tale. Since he was one of the leading religious writers of the time, many people took his story about the female pope as historical fact. Eventually, stories placed Joan in the 9th century, which became the most accepted version. After it continued to circulate for decades to come, Pope Joan's full story finally came together later in the 13th century, when a Dominican chronicler named Martin of Trapau published Chronicun Pontificum et Imperatorum. This text compiled all the details on Joan's life, what little there was of them. After being left out of the Vatican's official list of holy pontiffs, Pope Joan finally received the recognition she deserved. But over the last few centuries, Pope Joan has faded from public memory. One would think the world's only female pope would be a point of fascination, but even today, she's rarely written about, which has raised numerous questions. Most importantly, why did the Catholic Church try to convince the world that Pope Joan didn't exist? Coming up, a female papacy poses a threat to Catholicism. Hello, I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala, and we're the hosts of the new Spotify original from Parcast, Sinister Societies. You may know us from the very creepy and excellent podcast Red Handed, but now we've teamed up with Parcast for an unprecedented look at history's most nefarious groups. Some preach extreme religious practices, others warn of impending doom, and then there are those whose endgame is far more diabolical. 
Every Tuesday on Sinister Societies, we take a peek behind the curtain and discover the most ominous organizations the world may or may not have known. Learn how entrepreneurial sects made fortunes off their brand, how charismatic cult leaders caught the eye of celebrities, and why strange orders of the extraterrestrial or collegiate kind attract the most unlikely of followers. Some groups convene in the shadows, others operate in plain sight, all are absolutely sinister. Follow Sinister Societies free and only on Spotify. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Now, back to our story. In the 9th century, a woman of German birth named Joan supposedly disguised herself as a man to receive an education. Taking on the name John, she relocated to Rome and ascended the ranks of the Catholic Church until she allegedly became Pope in 855 CE. Apart from her lover, no one at the Vatican knew Joan's secret. It wasn't until Pope Joan went into labor during an Easter procession that the truth was revealed, and she was stoned to death because of it. In the years that followed, no records of Joan's existence could be found. It was as if sinister forces had erased her from history. Allegedly, the street she was buried on became known as the Shunned Street. In the Middle Ages, popes were rumored to avoid it while traveling. Even today, nearly 12 centuries later, the Vatican continues to act as though Pope Joan never existed. Which brings us to conspiracy theory number one. The Vatican covered up Pope Joan's papacy because she posed a threat to their traditions and purity. When the time arrives to elect a new pope, a group of high-ranking cardinals from around the world assembles in Rome. Their first order of business is to discuss the needs and challenges currently facing the Catholic Church. Once elected, the new pope is expected to address these issues. Next, they pray to the Holy Spirit for guidance in choosing the pope's successor. Then this conclave of approximately 120 cardinals relocates to the Sistine Chapel. There, an oath of secrecy is taken and several rounds of voting are conducted until one of the prospective popes receives two-thirds of the vote. This may be one of the first reasons as to why the Vatican wanted to keep Pope Joan a secret. While the cardinals might not have been able to see past Joan's disguise, certainly an omniscient god would have been able to. Which begs an interesting question. Why would the Lord guide them to Joan if he didn't want her to be pope? And if a woman could be selected by God to be Pope, then maybe the Catholic Church wasn't meant to be a boys' club after all. But the Vatican didn't see it this way. In fact, it wasn't until recently that they even let a woman hold a seat in office. In January 2020, Pope Francis appointed Francesca Di Giovanni to a senior managerial position in the Vatican's diplomatic office. Sure, women had been nuns, educators, and caregivers in the church before. However, this was the first time a woman would be representing the Vatican in international relations. To rise any higher than the managerial office, 
a woman would have to be ordained, which, as we mentioned, is strictly forbidden by the Catholic Church. Therefore, women are denied a voice and a vote when the clergy assembles to offer the Pope advice. And yet, when Pope Joan was disguised as a man, she had all this power and more. To admit that a woman held the highest position in the Catholic Church would bring all of Catholicism's sacred traditions and laws into question. But there's another reason the Vatican might have wanted to cover up Pope Joan. She also challenged the purity of the clergy. According to long-held traditions and official requirements implemented in the 12th century, all Catholic priests were supposed to be celibate and unmarried. The Church's stance was these sacrifices meant they could completely devote themselves to serving God. Additionally, they're meant to act in persona Christi, which means in the person of Christ. If Jesus was celibate and unmarried, his representatives should be as well. If Joan's story is true, it means the Pope had sex and bore a child out of wedlock while in office. If Pope Joan really did sit at the head of the religion, then the Vatican could be exposed as hypocrites. The church would no longer be seen as a place of purity. Even the very practices the church stood for might stand to lose their power, like confessing your sins, especially if priests had participated in a massive cover-up. Like a house of cards, the Vatican's entire authority could come toppling down. Clearly, the church had motives to erase Pope Joan from history, which seems like the case because she's not listed in any official documents kept by the church. All major historical records go directly from Pope Leo IV, serving between 847 and 855 CE, to Pope Benedict III from 855 to 858 CE. According to records, Benedict was elected just a few weeks after Leo, which is not an unusual amount of time for the College of Cardinals to select a new pope. This wouldn't be the only time the Vatican hid blasphemous information from the public, though. The Church has been at the center of numerous scandals over the centuries, often with some of history's most controversial figures. And much of the time, they seemingly tried to cover it up. One of the Vatican's most famous cover-ups was written about in 2002. That year, the Boston Globe revealed the Catholic Church had been hiding child sexual abuse cases happening in the U.S. for decades. And it wasn't just a few. Thousands of priests, bishops, and nuns were accused. A year later, an old document from 1962 bearing the seal of Pope John XXIII surfaced. It instructed bishops to treat instances of sexual abuse with the highest level of secrecy. It said that anyone who spoke out would be punished. Additionally, victims of sexual abuse were also pressured to keep quiet. The church threatened to excommunicate anyone who spoke out publicly against them. Allegedly, all of this information was stored somewhere in the Vatican archives. Daniel Shea, the lawyer who uncovered the document, says, quote, It proves there was an international conspiracy by the church to hush up sexual abuse issues. After the scandal surfaced, the Vatican promised to conduct their own examination. 
It wasn't until 2008, almost six years later, that Pope Benedict XVI finally apologized on behalf of the church. But people wanted more than just words. They wanted action. Thirteen years later, a group of human rights experts from the United Nations released a letter to the Vatican. In it, they expressed their concern about, quote, the measures adopted by the Catholic Church to protect alleged abusers, cover up crimes, obstruct accountability of alleged abusers, and evade reparations due to victims. It couldn't be more clear. The letter explicitly states that the Vatican was engaged in a cover-up. And even when the scandal was exposed, the church didn't hold themselves fully accountable. Looking at the sex abuse scandal and the Vatican's other suspicious relationships, like its dealings with Mussolini leading up to World War II, when they outwardly supported his fascist regime, it's apparent that even the Catholic Church wasn't without sin. Clearly, they struggled with a complicated history of cover-ups. But I'm not so sure they tried to erase Pope Joan. As a major historical figure, surely a ton of people would have been inspired to write her story down. And yet, from the mid-800s to early 1200s, there's not a single word written about her. It would be nearly impossible for the Vatican to keep up with destroying every single record of Joan's existence for 300 years. Sexism may be to blame. Most women weren't able to read or write at the time. Roman history was primarily documented by wealthy elite males, which means the Vatican probably had a connection to those penning the documents. Seems like it would be easy for the Vatican to control the historical narrative, since they controlled nearly everything else in Europe at the time. You're right. Plus, there are ample reasons why the Vatican would want to erase Pope Joan. If she did exist, the church's boys-only club would be called into question, and it would make people wonder whether God was truly infallible. While there isn't a ton of direct evidence suggesting the church covered up Pope Joan, it wouldn't be shocking. Even with the internet, they've kept some of their darkest secrets hidden away. Before search engines, hiding Pope Joan seems like it would have been child's play. And that's why, with 10 being the definitive truth, I give this conspiracy theory a 7. I'm not convinced just yet. While we've just proved that a lot of the church's scandals do eventually get exposed, we can't say that's the case yet for Joan. Could the church really hide something like this for 1,200 years? I'm not sure, which is why I give this conspiracy theory a four. Well, if the Vatican is actually telling the truth about Joan, then that turns our attention to another theory. Maybe Pope Joan seemed like a cover-up because in reality, she never existed at all. Coming up, evidence of Pope Joan might be lingering in ancient Rome. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. 
Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Now, back to the story. Since her supposed death in 858 CE, the legend of Pope Joan has come and gone from history. Some believe the Vatican purposely covered up her existence. Others contend that the world's only female pope was a work of fiction. Which brings us to conspiracy theory number two. Pope Joan may have never existed at all. Jean de Mailly and other scholars resurrected the story of Pope Joan in the 13th century. At the time, it was nothing more than reviving an old legend, a quick reminder of a forgotten chapter in history. But 300 years later, the authority of the current pope was being challenged, and suddenly, Pope Joan was back, and not as entertainment. This time, she was used as a weapon. Around the 16th century, bishops were frequently promoting their family interests. Many felt that there was a blanket of corruption plaguing the church. This led in part to the rise of a new form of Christianity called Protestantism, and the mass exodus from the Catholic Church was known as the Reformation. Tension between the two religions came to a head in 1527. Pope Clement VII had refused to grant England's King Henry VIII an annulment from his wife. But Henry VIII was so determined to end his marriage that he separated his country from the Vatican. Since the Church of England was no longer aligned with the Catholic Church, people converted to Protestantism in droves. Henry VIII declared himself the country's supreme religious leader and ended his marriage. As the war raged between Catholicism and Protestantism, the story of Pope Joan became a valuable tool. It allowed those who'd broken away from the church to paint the Vatican as liars. And certainly, as a group, no aspiring religious followers should seek to join. The lack of evidence on Pope Joan could also be seen as ammunition against the Catholic Church. It proved to the Protestants and those considering conversion that the Vatican was hiding damning information. There was a creeping suspicion that if the Vatican had been deceitful about Pope Joan, they might be hiding even more. It's possible that Protestants made Pope Joan up as a device they could manipulate. That way, they could bend her story to encourage people to turn against the church. Which would make sense because there are no accounts regarding Pope Joan's accomplishments or goals during her time in office. In fact, there's very little about her life even before she took the papal throne. But it's worth noting that records of other early popes, especially those during the Middle Ages, are also foggy. Archaeologist Michael Hobbicht of Flinders University examined the Liber Pontificalis, a history of popes from St. Peter to the 15th century. Hobbicht noted that Pope Benedict III is also missing entirely. Like Joan, Benedict III was pope in the 850s, and we know for a fact that Benedict existed. 
mainly because there are historical records regarding parts of his early life and his interactions with heads of state. This made Habicht change his mind about Pope Joan as well. He said, quote, In the beginning, I also believed that the story of Joan was mere fiction, but more and more, the possibility emerged that there was more behind the story. Another curious revelation appeared when Habicht was studying a currency known as deniers, a small silver coin used widely throughout Western Europe in the Middle Ages. On a coin minted sometime between the years 872 and 882, it showed the initials of Pope John VIII. Presumably the coin was made sometime right after he took the seat in 872. But after inspecting coins made a few years earlier, between 856 and 858, Habeck noticed that the monogram of the Pope's initials was a bit different. Since Pope John VIII hadn't taken office yet, and the previous Pope John VII hadn't been in office for nearly 150 years, Habeck figured this might be a rare coin made during Pope Joan's papacy. The evidence doesn't end with the coins. According to Craig M. Rustice's The Afterlife of Pope Joan, there are multiple 16th and 17th century references to a cathedral in the city of Siena, one where a bust of Pope Joan apparently stood. However, if anyone wants to set their eyes on some evidence today, they'd be out of luck since, according to legend, members of the church quickly ordered the bust to be transformed into the likeness of Pope Zachary, who served from 741 to 752. There is one other intriguing artifact from history that may take some of the teeth out of this theory because it supports her existence. After Pope Joan's gender was revealed, the Vatican may have developed a tool to help prevent an issue like this from arising again. The church designed a special chair with an open hole in the middle, one that was used during the coronation process. Supposedly, after the new pope was elected, he was told to take a seat as each cardinal took their turn, investigating, making certain that their new pope was undoubtedly male. Once they confirmed what they were looking for, the cardinals allegedly proclaimed testiculos hobbit et bene pendentes, which loosely translates to testicles he has and well-hanging ones. Clearly, if this chair existed in 855 CE, Pope Joan wouldn't have passed the test. Or the chair was made after Pope Joan's years as a failsafe to make sure no other female candidates might sneak through especially since the first mentions of this chair rose in 1099 CE, not long after Pope Joan's supposed papacy. It's a wacky story, but the book, titled Misconceptions About the Middle Ages by Stephen Harris and Byron L. Grigsby, clears up any confusion about the chair. It says it's a sedes stecoraria, which means dung chair or toilet. In this case, its structure is ceremonial. The Pope sits on it to remind himself, quote, that he rises out of clay and dung, meaning he's subject to the failings of human nature. Still, I think that could have been an official reason to cover why they started using the chair. 
This, along with the papal bust at the Sienese Cathedral and the coins, give me reason to consider that Pope Joan really did sit at the head of the Catholic Church. Yes, the chair might have been a way to keep the new pope humble, but as we've seen, that too could be a story used to cover up its true purpose, a way to make sure the Vatican avoided another Joan debacle. I'm giving this conspiracy that Joan didn't exist a 3 out of 10. I'm not totally sure if she existed or not, mainly because every account of Pope Joan's life written in the 13th century had vastly conflicting details. And we know the Protestants used Pope Joan as ammunition to criticize the Catholic Church. But it does seem that the more people investigated Pope Joan, more evidence of her existence was discovered. Honestly, I'm on the fence with this theory. I'd give it a 5 out of 10. It is hard to believe that the Vatican may have been able to keep Pope Joan a secret for nearly 1,200 years. But determining whether or not there was a female pope is a murky endeavor, especially when you're digging around in the Middle Ages. And as we mentioned, Joan wasn't the only pope left off the official papal biographies. Sometimes I wonder if a story keeps coming back because we want it to be true. If nothing else, Pope Joan is a reminder of the obstacles women faced, and still face today, just to be treated as equals. She was surely ahead of her time, and in many ways, the world is still trying to catch up. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. We'll be back next time with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Brian Stempnitsky, with writing assistance by Lori Gottlieb and Mackenzie Moore. Fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Coleman Gray. Conspiracy Theories stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy. You aren't supposed to know about them, unless they want you to. Powerful groups with their own very specific agendas. And if you find yourself on the inside, good luck getting out. Hi, I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. Join us every Tuesday for our new Spotify original from Parcast, Sinister Societies. Whether it's doomsday predictions, deadly greed or world domination, Each week, we're exposing the beliefs and actions of the most ominous organisations the world may or may not have known. Follow Sinister Societies free and only on Spotify.